Good morning. Thank you for joining us as we come together to hear God's word. I trust you are all doing well and that you are standing strong in the Lord Jesus. I'm trusting that what I have to share with you this morning will be a blessing to you, that it will cause you to be stirred up, encouraged, challenged in your walk with the Lord and where changes need to be made, that you will be willing to make them. I pray that you will continue to live by faith, growing in the most holy faith. And that as your faith grows, it will produce more of God's kind of life in you. That you will not lose hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Easter is drawing near, I want to look at what was going on, leading up to Jesus' betrayal, and then focus on some specific event. So if you're looking for a title for this morning's message, you can call it Choices to be Made. During the time leading up to Jesus' betrayal, he was teaching many different things, like the parable of the wedding feast. He was teaching on marriage and resurrection, the greatest commandment, the parable of the ten virgins, but also during this time, the chief priests were plotting and looking for a way to silence Jesus. Then we see that Jesus is anointed at Bethany. In Matthew 26, verse 6 to 7, it says, While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And then verse 12 says this, when she poured the perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Then we see that Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 14 to 16. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asks, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver, from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. We also see that the Lord's Supper took place in Matthew 26, verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparation for you to eat the Passover? They were. Jesus was speaking about signs of the end of the age. In Mark 13, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. You can see that there are many things happening in the life of Jesus just before Passover. But what I would like to look at this morning is Judas and the age-old question. Why did Judas betray Jesus? There are many different reasons that came up as I was reading and looking into it, but I would like to focus on those that caught the attention of my heart. So let me lay out the story before we get started. We can pick up the story in Matthew 21. Imagine you are in biblical times during the Passover week. A few days ago, Jesus had a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. A huge crowd of people lined the streets as Jesus came riding in on the colt of a donkey. Some of them spread their cloaks on the road, 
Others put palm branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. The people shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It must have been an awesome sight to see. There was also something else happening at the same time. The chief priests were not happy with what was taking place. They were indignant. In other words, they were angry and annoyed at what was happening. A while later in Matthew 26 verse 1 and 2, Jesus tells his disciples this. You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. The disciples were upset and confused by these words. Just a little while ago they were wanting to make him king and now he says that he is going to be betrayed and put to death. What is going on? Judas sneaks away from the other disciples and he goes to the palace of the high priest. Cephas. There the chief priests and the elders of the people are gathered discussing what they are going to do about Jesus. And to their surprise, in walks Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, and he comes to make a deal with him. Matthew 26 verse 15 says, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? Judas asks him. They pay Judas 30 pieces of silver on the evening while Jesus and his disciples are eating the Passover meal together in the upper room, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Judas asked Jesus, surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus answered, yes, it is you. How foolish of him, thinking Jesus wouldn't know what he had done. Judas leaves the upper room, the remaining disciples and Jesus go to Gethsemane. A few hours later, after Jesus prays in Gethsemane and his disciples keep falling asleep, he returns to them and wakes them up. Matthew 26, verse 45 to 47. Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. At that moment, Judas arrives, accompanied by a great crowd with swords and clubs, sent by the chief priests and the elders of the people. Judas approaches Jesus. He greets him and kisses him. This was the prearranged sign that was agreed upon so that the crowd would know who to arrest. They seized Jesus and out of fear of what might happen to them, the disciples flee. The next morning, Jesus is condemned to die by crucifixion. By that afternoon, he is dead. So getting back to the question, why did Judas betray Jesus? Why would one of the twelve disciples betray their Lord? It's easy for us to judge Judas as a villain or as a victim, but in many ways Judas is just like you and me. Judas was a follower of Jesus, a preacher of the gospel, but there was a double-mindedness about him. In the end, he abandoned the faith he once professed. So I want us to have a look at four things this morning from the story of Judas to help us get to understand a little bit more about Judas and about ourselves. The commitment he made. So 
So Judas made a commitment to Jesus, and there's no reason to think he was anything but sincere in his faith and commitment. Like the rest of the disciples, he left everything to follow Jesus. Judas was actively involved in what was going on in the ministry. He was given remarkable spiritual gifts, just like the rest of the disciples. In Luke 19, verse 1 to 2, we read this. Jesus sends out the twelve. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Luke tells us that Jesus called the twelve together, that included Judas, and gave them power and authority. Judas, like the rest of the disciples, was given the power and authority to heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel. He was actively involved in ministry. But you know what? Being involved in ministry is not a guarantee of spiritual love or of health. Number two, he was given a great opportunity. Judas walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He saw the greatest life ever lived. He experienced it up close and personal. He was part of it. You can't have a better model of faith than Jesus or a better environment for forming faith than Judas had in walking with Jesus. He himself witnessed the miracles that Jesus did. Judas was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. He took the bread and handed it out along with the other disciples. And when the people had finished eating, he was part of gathering up those 12 baskets. When Jesus calmed the storm, Judas was there. He was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He saw demons being cast out, blind eyes opened, deaf ears hearing. The sick being healed. You can't have better evidence for faith than Judas had. He saw it and he experienced it. Judas heard all the teachings of Jesus. He heard the Sermon on the Mount. So he knew there was a narrow road that leads to life and a broad road that leads to destruction. He heard the warnings Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. So he knew there was a heaven and a hell. He had heard Jesus teach it. He heard the parable of the prodigal son. So he knew God is ready to welcome and forgive those who have lived a life of sin. With Judas's own eye, he saw the clearest evidence. With his own ears, he heard the finest teaching. With his own feet, he followed the greatest example. And yet, this man still betrayed Jesus. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The human heart is beyond understanding. And we can't understand how someone who loved Jesus and followed him can now turn their backs, their backs on him. It's hard to understand how a young person 
who has grown up in a godly family and served the Lord and known the scriptures while they were in the care of their parents can now abandon their faith in the Lord Jesus and go their own way. It's hard to understand how a man who preached the gospel who led thousands to the Lord can turn his back on Jesus. But Judas' story teaches us important lessons about those who have abandoned their faith. As parents, as leaders, or as friends, we often ask ourselves these questions. Where did we go wrong? What more could we have done, or should we have done? Did we fail in our teaching? Did we fail in our example? Should we have been more involved in our son or daughter or our friend's life? But Judas teaches us that even the best example, the most compelling evidence, and the finest teaching, the ultimate environment for incubating faith, cannot in and of themselves change the human heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The third choice he made. Sorry, number three, the choice he made. Satan made a relentless assault on Judas' soul. And he makes a relentless assault on everyone who chooses to follow Christ. We read in Luke um, 22, verse 3 to 4. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with him how he might betray Jesus. John 13 verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. John 13 verse 27. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. So we can see there that Satan entered Judas. The devil had already prompted Judas, and Satan entered into him. Because of what we read in the Bible, we can be led to believe that Judas never had a chance. But it was Judas who opened the door and allowed Satan in. In the story where Mary took out a pint of pure, pure nard, which is an expensive perfume, and poured it over Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair, we see Judas's response in John 12, verse 5 to 6. Why wasn't the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Judas had been stealing from the collective money bag. And when he kept the sin secret, Satan entered into him. If you give the enemy the smallest opening, he will kick the door down and come in. Judas made a deal with the chief priests and then sat down at the Lord's table with known sins he would not confess. And Satan entered even further into his life. Unconfessed sin will always open the door to Satan. Satan doesn't gain a foothold into the lives of people who are walking in the light with Jesus. 
that when we open the door and allow him in, he will most definitely come in. Where we have sin in our lives, that is not brought into the light, that allows Satan access. And when the time is right, when it will do the most damage, he comes and brings death and destruction. If I can maybe explain it this way. If your walk with the Lord was like, a, like building a wall, what Satan does is he comes and he puts a stick of dynamite in the wall. And he leaves it there. Maybe through unconfessing, I don't know, through not wanting to, to forgive somebody, but he comes and he puts that stick of dynamite in the wall. And so you're happily building the wall. <clears throat> and then one day when the wall is looking all beautiful and you're impacting many people with your life and testimony, Satan comes and he lights the fuse to the dynamite that is buried in the wall and blows it sky high. He knows what will have the greatest impact for the benefit of his kingdom. And so he brings death and destruction to your life. And he destroys you and those who have been looking up to you. Judas had a stick of dynamite in his wall called money. And that led to him betraying Jesus. What will you give me? Was the question he asks the priests. Fourthly, is you make your choices. Judas made his choice. He turned his back on Jesus. When you get close to Jesus, one of two things will happen. Either you will become wholly his, or you will end up more alienated from him. What do I mean by this? If we have a look at the two men who hung either side of Jesus on the cross, in Luke 23, verse 39 to 43, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Among those who hate Christ the most are some who once professed to trust him. And the story of Judas reminds us that nothing good can come from giving up on Jesus Christ. Don't give up on Jesus. Your life and your future depend on the choice you make. Either you will draw close to him and love him and serve him, or you will become bitter towards him. Each of us is heading in one direction or the other. In an age when many are abandoning their faith, their faith they once professed, the story of Judas warns us to stay on God. Guard your heart so that you won't drift away. Repent of your sins. Keep the door of your heart closed to the things that lead to sin. And say yes to Jesus. Say yes to the things that produce a life of godliness. Keep a lookout for those who are becoming cold towards the Lord. Christ calls us to be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh.
loving Jesus and putting him first in your life, confessing your sins, asking for forgiveness will keep you from falling away and betraying Jesus. Stay on fire for Jesus. If you have been a Judas and betrayed Jesus, turn your, turn your back on him. It's time to repent. Turn back to him and he will forgive you. He is waiting with open arms to receive you back. Don't delay. Do it now. If you've grown cold towards the Lord, rekindle the flame of passion. Be on fire for him and burn brightly. And then if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Bible tells us that those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Romans 10 verse 13. This calling requires repentance from sin and a turning to Jesus, accepting him into your life as Lord and Saviour, handing over your life to him and living in obedience to him. You can't do this in your own strength. But as you are drawn close to him through the Holy Spirit, he comes alongside you and helps you in living this life to please him. Each one of us needs to search our own heart to determine whether we are in good spiritual health or not. And if you are not in a good spiritual place, sort your life out. If you are in a good place right now, make sure that there is nothing that is going to derail you along the way and then keep going strong. God bless you. Stay strong in the power of his might and we will see you again next week. Amen.